Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Smathers and Branson. You guys are probably familiar with uh, Smathers and Branson if you've, you know, at your local favorite pro shop. Uh, they make incredible handmade needlepoint products. Uh, this stuff is, you know, 100% hand stitched. Uh, they make belts, hats, wallets, really all kinds of different stuff. Christmas stockings, you know, loafers. And uh, you'll, you've probably seen them in their pro shop. But one thing I wasn't really aware uh, of was their extensive website offering. So you can get these online too. And they've got a ton of their unique designs. They've got college stuff, university stuff. Um, this is the best belts in the business. Uh, the hats are really cool, really unique gifts if you want to give somebody uh, with Father's Day coming up a nice, thoughtful gift. So if you want to use the promo code FRIEDEGG, you will get 15% off your entire order plus free shipping. That's the promo code is FRIEDEGG, and you need to go to smathersandbranson.com. That's S-M-A-T-H-E-R-S and Branson, B-R-A-N-S-O-N dot com, uh, promo code fried egg. It's uh, great to have them on board uh, as a partner of the fried egg. Today's episode is with the great Kyle Porter. Kyle is a golf writer, probably an editor, big time title at CBS Sports. He, you can find all of his writing there. He's also one of the co-hosts of the First Cut podcast. Kyle came on to preview the PGA uh, at Keough Island this week. So we did our five things. Uh, we each came up with five different things that we're watching this week. We had a little bit of overlap. But uh, as always, Kyle had a lot of great thoughts about the tournament and uh, you know what he's watching this week. So without further ado, here is Kyle Porter. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Kyle, how's it going? I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, we were just talking about this. Covering a major from home is very different than being there. You and I switched. So you were at home during the Masters. I was at the Masters. Now you're at the PGA and I'm home for the PGA. And there are pros and cons to both, but uh, I'm excited. I don't know, man. I, I get I get really fired up for, for major weeks. It's just a ton of fun. You, you just, you kind of bathe in it for you know eight straight days or whatever and uh it's tiring by the end but it's it's so much fun yeah yeah it's um majors are it makes the job so much fun it's uh it's like so much work in the lead up and then so much work during the week and then there's the you know kind of deconstruction of the major at the end when you're you know kind of the the fallout from everything that happens but um I mean, this is uh, this is legacies and everything. I mean, not to be cliche, but <laughs> this is this is what it all comes down to, right? How do you? I was I was wondering. I always wonder this with other people because I kind of go back and forth. But how do you prepare for 
like a major week? Are you reading stuff a week in advance, a month in advance? Are you uh, like, like what's your, what is your preparation leading in look like? I mean, a lot of what we do is with the golf course. So it's, it's, it's focused a ton on that. And then I think it's just, I just like watching a lot of golf in the weeks leading up, you know, making sure to carve out time to watch and see what's kind of happening. And and it's, I think this new schedule kind of makes it a little weird because the guys don't play a ton between the masters and the, like, I feel like we, you could really conceivably not see these guys outside of, you know, they play quail hollow or they play Valspar. But I think that's one of the things with this new schedule with it kind of month after month after month of the majors is that, you know, there's a lot of tournaments in between that don't matter a ton. It's I miss, I, that's the thing I think I like the most about the masters lead in Yep, is how those guys are playing so much on the West coast. Then you get the players and you kind of have this really good build in. Um, and I think having that PGA one month after it loses that a little bit. What do, what do you do? Well, I, I agree with you about the lead in. I was thinking about that. I think the players is even better than the masters because you, there's so many tournaments that those guys play with Arnold Palmer. And I mean, there's, there's like that six week stretch where you're playing like at, like at least four times. And most yeah, guys waste are playing management. Is in yeah. There too. And, and most guys are playing five. Um, I don't know. Usually I like to read about the course kind of the week before. And I, I agree with you. Like, I love looking at data golf and, and some of the advanced statistics, but, but sometimes with, and I think that stuff matters for the masters because of the way the lead in is, but for the PGA, you're like, like, just what happened at the end of February? Is it meaningful for the PGA at Kiowa? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it. So I think it's kind of hard to, I think the PGA is a little bit difficult from that perspective to, to prognosticate, to kind of figure out. But I, I just, I love the course research. I love like Sean Martin did a great piece. Uh, y'all's fried egg video on, uh, on Kiowa was awesome because I, I like learning about the history of, kind of the course and the course architecture. Jeff Shackelford's done some really good stuff with who's the, who's the architect that redid it. Scott Sherman. Yeah. He had a, he had a two part deal on the, the quadrilateral quadrilateral that is excellent. Um, so I just, I, I love reading about all that stuff leading into, uh, into the major week. I don't know. This is, we're doing our five things. So we did this before the masters. I think we'll do this before every major this year. We did it with Shane before the masters, but you know, Kyle's on for this one, but I think this leads into like my first thing. And like what I think about this championship, obviously the course has a good deal to do with it. It's not one that we've seen a ton. Um, obviously we saw it with Rory, but a different time of year. And we saw it at the PG, uh, the Ryder cup in 91, but I feel like this is, just a total crapshoot this tournament. I feel like I I just don't have like a great feel. I don't think anybody's playing like dominant golf leading in. And that's one of the things I think about with this tournament is just it feels like there's 20 guys that probably could win and I wouldn't be surprised if if any of those 20 guys won. I don't know if you feel the same way. So my very first I'm not kidding. My very first thing that I wrote down is the top 10 lacks juice. And what I mean by that is other than Rory uh, and, and his, man, I don't know, his win at Quail Hollow, it, it wasn't, it wasn't super inspiring. 
It was good. I'm glad he won. I think that when Rory's playing well, that's good for golf. But it like I didn't come away from that thinking like, oh, Rory's going to go on a you know just a heater right now. And you go down the board of the top ten guys in the world, and it's just like I don't know who JT's kind of hitting it well, but who else? Like what else? DJ. Well, that's the thing. You got Rom's. Rom hasn't been great, and obviously, I think having the baby's been like adjustment. I think that's something that we've seen. Some people have these great surreal performances when right after they have a baby, but like I think it's a big adjustment. I think Rory went through it too. Yeah, and I think like Rom's going through it. He just was on his press conference talking about like how they've had to, you know make adjustments since they had this baby like they, they realized things didn't work he needed sleep like i think that's one of the things but like yeah yeah like you said bryson's not playing well xander's kind of been xander he's super consistent but we haven't seen the winds pile up yeah and morikawa you know and then you get hatton who hasn't really done much in in majors and and patrick reed, reed who, yeah i i completely agree top 10 it's it when you think about two last year at the pga how much different it was we were talking about brooks and potential three-peat and how different just one year less than a year really yep. makes this yeah. feel yeah totally uh did you see rom talking about uh first of all he goes into some details with his with like his wife and kid that i'm like ah, i don't know if i need all of those maybe just like cut it in half and give me give me half of it but uh he was talking about how after the first month they hired somebody like a night nurse or a night nanny whatever you call it and i was like oh what's what's that like that must be must be a nice little route exactly. nice little path to take if, if uh, you can afford it it's a good good luxury to uh to to kind of compound the thing that we're talking about the leaderboard from 2012 is crazy right so you've got rory at, at 13 and then beyond i know you want to talk about the swedish pancake but beyond that it's it's Steve Stricker. It's Jamie Donaldson. It's all these guys that you're like, what? And, and I was curious if you thought when it gets crazy windy out there, which it did at, at times in 2012, is that a thing where nobody's hitting greens? And so it becomes like kind of a chipping contest. Is that why you see guys like Stricker and, and those guys up there? I think so to a certain extent. But what's interesting about that is that the really windy day was Friday, right? And and Tiger and VJ were leading after Friday. VJ shot a sixty nine on Friday. Oh, it, 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 epic round! I mean, unbelievable. The the quotes that from that round are just insane. I wish I had them handy. I I, I researched them for for a, a piece I did for the PGA dot com. But like the quotes from players about that round, like you know, like I I can't believe one of the guys was like, you know. If this was if I didn't have to play a tournament golf today, I would there'd be no way I'd be out there playing <laughs> golf, like you know. Um, but but that see that's the interesting thing is the board really changed when it was soft and not windy. Yeah, when it was that's, really that's hard, you had VJ and Tiger at the top, and then it gets soft and, and Rory obviously blitz the field. Those guys fade. You know, I think this golf course it's it's really interesting in terms of. And this kind of, I think, plays into this. I think it's anybody's kind of game. It's long, and everybody's going to look at the length, and they're going to say, you know, you need to bomb it. But you can't spray it at all. Like, when you're off the course, it's not good. Like, 
out of the corridors. So I think, you know, there's setup flexibility. There's a ton of flexibility with how Kerry Haig can set this golf course up from distances. I don't think it's ever going to play the yardage that is on the card and everybody's talking about, oh, longest major course ever. It's not going to play that way any day. It's going to be dictated on the wind. But I think it's a golf course where you have to place it so well. I think it's almost more like sawgrass. It's just yeah. a beefier sawgrass in a way. Yeah, I I agree with that. Because it, when we think about length, and I was going through kind of the longest majors ever because, you know, you, that's going to be kind of the hot, like, phrase or buzzword or whatever. But it's not a – it's a very different kind of – length than Beth page or even an Aaron Hills, right? Because you're, you're almost, it's not, it's not just like, Hey, see how far you can hit it and then see how far you can hit it again. And you, even like Wingfoot was a little bit like that. Cause there's no, there's no trouble there. Right. I mean, there's no, there's trouble, but there's not, there's no penalty trouble. And so that's where somebody like, I think somebody like Bryson and even a ROM is going to have to be incredibly disciplined and patient this week because, because you can't, you don't just like take the course on. You have to be so, uh, strategic and careful about where you're placing the ball. I think that's kind of plays into somebody like Jordan Spieth's hands, honestly. I agree. Like somebody, I think there's different types of great ball strikers. Like I think Bryson's a great ball striker. Yeah. But, you know, I think one of the things he does the way he, you know, is a great ball striker is he overwhelms the golf course with his power. And he did that, obviously, at Wingfoot. Um, this golf course, if, you, if you're a little off, you're out of play. I, the, the guy that I kind of think of when he's hitting on all cylinders who could play really well is like Fleetwood, where he's mm-hmm. like surgical, where yeah. he's not the longest guy. He's plenty long, but he's just fairway green, fairway green, fairway green. Or when we saw Mullen, and I'm not saying Molinari's going to play well this week because we haven't really seen him, but when I think about like how Molinari played uh, in 2018 when he won the Open, like that type of, of play is is what I think will we'll end up playing really well at, at this major. Yeah. You want to talk about Spieth? That's my number two is uh, That's the Spieth. That's me too. The Spieth slam. We just, we just copied each other. Uh we didn't send these to each other beforehand. So, <laughs> the speed slam is, and people keep so I got to get this off my chest because one thing that bothers me is people keep saying, "Well, this is his best opportunity since 2018." First of all, he played Quell Hollow in 2017 with an opportunity to win the slam, right? Right after he won Barkdale, yeah, and that was actually his best opportunity because that was as well as he's ever played, I think, as a professional. I heard him on the No Line Up podcast two weeks ago, he's like 2018. I was just kind of lost. I, I think he was actually talking about the PGA at, at, uh, where was it? Bell Reeve. Mm-hmm. And 2017 was actually his real, like, Hey, career slam opportunity. But I do agree. I do think, I actually think this course sets up well for him. And I think the excitement f- for me with him is, and whatever the Byron Nelson is not a great test of like where your game's at, but for him to come out and hit it like he did, I felt like completely validated everything that led up to the masters because we see these guys go on runs where they're, they'll play great leading up to a major, they'll play great at the major and then they'll just fall off. Like they'll just kind of have a dip after that. It's a very normal 
kind of uh, progression in PGA Tour world, and he he hasn't. He's still hitting it like the best player in the world. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's a ton of reason. Is he going to win this week? I have no idea. But I think there's a ton of reason to be excited about his chances. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the things you hit on too earlier is it's a golf course, especially when it gets – when it, if it gets windy and I think it's going to be have some good wind out there, like you're going to have to scramble because people are going to miss greens and nobody, he just has, he's like the, the, the guy that you look up at the end of a, a basketball game and, he, and you're like, how did he get a, like, you know, how does he have 25 points? He didn't even like, look like he did it. Like he shoots 67 and you're like, how did that, how do you shoot 67? I always like think Tim, it's, is that like Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan would be a perfect, comparison like it just goes about it in such a like fundamental way it's not like pretty it's not rory but it's just the way he scores he just scores he gets the ball in the hole so efficiently you know he might not have the prettiest swing but he's just nobody scores better than him out there and obviously he's been playing so so well and i think I always like when guys play well the week before and are yeah. in the mix, but don't get it done. Like I, I think that's like the perfect way to head into a major is to play well the week before, but not great because then it just kind of clicks in the next week. Do you worry about him or, or really anybody out there having to work it both ways off the tee? Like how, how much do you have to, because I, I definitely think you have to with some of your approach shots, but is, is there a necessity to work it both ways off the tee? I don't think that much out there. I don't think there's like a super big need. I, you know, a few tee shots is, it could be helpful. Yeah. But one of the things, you know, in where it could be helpful is with crosswinds. You know, just being able to hold stuff against the wind is is kind of where it might be most helpful. I don't think it's that big of a deal out here. It, the fairways aren't that wide, also. They don't. They don't move that much. I mean, there's definitely preferred shot shapes, but I think a lot of them moving moving it left to right is fine. There aren't a ton of draw holes out there. Yeah, there's only a couple draw holes where you would say, "Oh, you want to hit a draw here." So I think that that's good for him because that squeeze cut is kind of his go-to shot. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I just think about. Well, I mean, I think about Sawgrass where it's whatever the third or fourth hole where you, you have to hit a draw off the mm-hmm. tee or you hit it. There's nothing like that out here. Yeah. Just because, you know, they don't have those like trees Yeah, like that. It's it's just wide open. So they have bunkers that make you hit shapes, but they aren't anything like, like Sawgrass. Man, I am so fascinated by, and, and this is always true. This is actually more true of us opens, but I'm fascinated to see how guys strategize their way around the course, because, you know, the thing you keep hearing, and I think you guys might've touched on this on, on your video is like, it looks like it should be a links course, but you've got these almost Pinehurst type greens where it's, it's their bowls and their, or their upside down bowls, their volcanoes. You know, I, I think I, I saw a quote from uh, it might've been 2012, somebody that was in contention saying like, it's, it's very unlike a links course where you can't run it up there. You have to hit a really high shot. And the problem is you've got a 25 mile an hour wind knocking down that shot. So I'm just, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how guys kind of handle that, especially if, you know, like Rom said, it's playing pretty fast and firm as it is early on in the week. Well, I think that's what the really neat thing about, about this tournament and i think that's why 
when I when I thought about the majors, I thought this was probably going to be one of the maybe the most compelling one. You know, if you take out Augusta every year, you know, the most compelling one was just because it's like the most opposite of driving range golf, like that idea of like the simulation golf where everything's a perfect setting, flat lie, uh, no wind, and you're just hitting balls at a target. Like this this golf course, you're going to have, and the way that one of the neat things is. It's easy to look at six through 13 and they, you say they all play in the same direction, but yeah. what, what it does is it just kind of wiggles different directions and the way die orients these holes. If you look at it closely, you'll see that the, uh, the tee shot will go one way. The approach shot will go a little bit different way. So the wind, while you're playing the same general direction for large stretches of these, of the golf course you're always playing a slightly different angle, which makes yeah. it just very uncomfortable. So it really like, you know, they got the range finders, but if it, if it's blowing out there, it's the type of golf where the number really doesn't matter. You're, you're standing there trying to figure out how many extra clubs or, you know, what's the wind going to do. And then one of the other things that can be really nasty out there is you're hitting these elevated greens and you get a wedge in your hand as downwind that wind can knock the ball out of the air and with the greens elevated, it just hits into the front and, and is going to end up at the bottom. It's, it, you know, the player that wins this week is going to have to, you know, have all of his senses like on high alert. And that's what I think is going to be so fun to watch. And that's where Spieth, that's what going back to Spieth, that makes Spieth so much sense because he's, he's that type of player. I heard Rom talking about how the wind is, is, it's a different kind of wind than other courses because it's so dense right by the, like so humid right by the ocean. And as soon as he said that, I was like, Oh, Bryson's going to play like seven hour rounds. This is going to be a, just a, an abomination. Like how long he's going to be out here trying to figure this out. Air density. I mean, he's going to be, maybe he's got a wind guy, you know, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, I played a junior tournament at the ocean course, um, years ago. And it was it was in the middle of January, and I'll never forget just sitting in my car before the round. It was like seven a.m., and it was it was like thirty-five degrees out with like a twenty mile an hour wind coming off the ocean. I just didn't want to go outside. Yeah, and and that's the thing. The ocean course is just it can be just so you just don't want to hit golf shots in the in the wind. Even like calm days are windy out there. That's the quote that you guys started your video with was. Uh, it's a course you want to play again next year, but not tomorrow. And I feel like that's such a, like, you just want to kick the can down the road a little bit, which is such a good, good description of it. You want my number three here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but for me, it's, uh, it's what strategy does Bryson employ on this course? And this is sort of a, not I'm not just talking about Bryson. I'm talking about all the bombers, but I think we always run to Bryson for like, oh, what's what's he going to do? And I've got a stat here. He is 205th on tour in proximity to the edge of the fairway. And so what that means is like when his when he misses, he misses by a lot, right? Like his, his misses are huge, and that makes sense because he's you know, the longest guy in the world. Like if, if, if he's off by a little bit, it, it feels like a lot more than that because he's so far out there. So I'm just intrigued by that. I wonder if he hits a bunch of irons off the tee. I wonder if he, 
tries to carry some some spots where other guys. I don't, I don't know. I'm just really intrigued by kind of how that plays out going into uh, into the week. Yeah, I think you know when you think about what he set out to do when he added all the speed, added all the weight. It really was a reaction to Beth Page. Will Gray had that got those great quotes from him talking about Brooks, and it was all a reaction to Beth Page. And then it it bore out that he won at Wingfoot, a similar setup, thick rough. Yep. You know where if you just hit it far, you can then gouge it out of the thick rough. This got, that doesn't work here because if you hit it far and you're offline, you're out of play. And I think that's where, yeah, I I agree with that. Take it. I don't know how he's going to play it. I think there's a lot of holes. That's kind of the luxury, though. You know, he can hit his iron as far as some of these yeah. guys that, you know, like Matt uh, Matt Fitzpatrick hits his driver. Yeah, he has options where other guys don't. Like, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick doesn't have an option. I mean, he does, but, he, I mean, he's going to miss a cut if he if he chooses some of the options that are that are, you know, at hand. And Bryson has a bunch of options. And, and, and I don't know. I, I think that's why... And we don't need to get into like a distance deal, but that's why so like the majors, especially PGAs and US Opens, are won by six guys, right? Is they have so many options at their disposal for the way these courses are played. And, you know, not to take away from like you have to have a great short game, you have to hit your wedges great, but it, it is, it does give them so much more wiggle room um, whenever they're, they're playing courses like this. Yeah, if you look at the distance rank of the the last ten or so winners of the PGA or the of the U.S. Open, they're really power players. Uh, it's a power players championship versus the Masters and the in the Open Championship. They have a lot of balance. You see guys all over the board win those in terms of their you know associated distance rank. This golf course, I think, is going to play more like like a sawgrass. Like one of the things that Pete Dye, Pete Dye's golf courses longevity wise have held up so well to distance and it's because of just the little angle angular tweaks that he makes yeah i think that that make it so uncomfortable to hit driver in certain places for long hitters so yeah i i think that's a that's a great point i want piggybacking off of that and looking we talked a little bit about the 2012 leaderboard but I think this could be a, a week where we it really favors veterans, and and part of that's playing in the conditions too, where these guys have seen a lot. Um, when it gets windy, experience matters. Like you have to have a lot of different golf shots, and I think, I think we could see a week where you know we might have some guys that are in the mix that you know are looking to bag that last major that adds a ton to their legacy. So you're so you're talking about Europeans that have uh, that are great ball strikers that have a bunch of this feels like a Trojan horse. <laughs> the one thing I'm worried about with Westy is is the chipping <laughs> around the greens. That's, yeah, that's what I'm a little worried about. I would about. be too. <laughs> <laughs> He's not really. I'm I'm also talking about like Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia. Yeah. Um. You know, Sergio. Even, yeah, Sergio is interesting. I think, and Rory talked about this right with 2012 where. He's like, I've never been, my, my short game's never been that good. And I think that is like really instructive for how to think about this week. So we, we run to like, oh, he was, uh, I talked to Jim Nance about this and, and he was like, oh, it was pure poetry off the tee. And of course it was, it always is, but your short game has to be unreal this week, I think, to, to, to be able to win this golf tournament. So I, yeah, that's where the Westy thing kind of <laughs> might, 
might fall apart. It falls a apart uh, completely. And I, I mean, I think also like you look at like uh, Patrick Reed, uh, Webb Simpson, if they can have one of those special ball striking weeks, then all of a sudden everything falls into place for them because of how good they are. But also Paul Casey, Louis stays in, you know, those types of players where they've seen it all. They've played in everything. Yeah. And this is a type of golf course you can play perfect. And then a big number can just come bite you. I think, I think Furick made like a eight on 13, uh, in 2012. And he was playing just like a, basically didn't miss a shot all around and then makes, makes an eight. That I, the guy that I really want to pick because he doesn't have any holes and because his short game is really good is uh, somebody who's missed like five cuts in a row, which is Patrick Cantlay. And I can't, I can't, I can't pick him because he's playing terribly, or at least he's he's not playing like he doesn't have any momentum. But his like his sort of statistical profile to me fits a place like Kiowa so well. I I, I don't know. I think. Like, I don't know if you agree with this. I think Kiowa is going to play as a PGA championship a lot different than we've seen over the last five or six years. Definitely different than a Beth Page, but also way different than a Bell Reeve as well. I, I just, I think it, it stands out as it's not a, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit like a player's championship. And we've seen big numbers one of players. We've seen small, we've seen, you know, lesser numbers one of players. I, I think it's going to be, and and even in talking about who's going to win, it feels a little bit like that of like, I, this feels wide open. And and that's what we say every year around the Players' Championship as well. I think it's going to be like a hybrid of the players in an open because you have the weather yeah. um, aspects. And we could see like, I'll never forget walking a practice round with Jordan Spieth at Aaron Hills. And the group was talking about just a, what's the easiest major to win? And it was just immediately open championship because the weather can eliminate half the field. Yeah. And that's what could happen here. I don't it, looking at the weather. It doesn't look like that could happen, but you never know. Yeah. Um, that's something that could happen here. And I think that's the it's kind of a mix between the players. But with with those elements that you have to overcome, I this is a this is going to be a mentally exhausting tournament for, for yes. players like get off the golf course you're gonna feel like you just played 36 holes not 18 yeah for sure now for a quick word from our sponsor smathers and branson you know one of my favorite things about smathers and branson is that it's just one of those entrepreneurial stories so uh two best friends peter and austin uh decided to start making you know needlepoint belts and uh their girlfriends actually made them both needlepoint belts as a gift. And that's kind of how the whole story started. You know, they, they just started making needlepoint belts and, you know, now they've got this big company and probably the leaders in the needlepoint industry. So like we talked about at the outset, um, they're a partner and they're offering 15% off your entire order. So that can be a pretty significant amount when you add it up. Plus free shipping with the fr promo code FRIEDEGG. Uh, go to their website. They got I got the Grateful Dead belt. They got you know other musicians. They got Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd. They've got all the colleges, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, Golden Bear selection. They're, I was shocked. I hadn't ever been to their website. I'd just seen them in pro shops. I was shocked at how many things they had to choose from. So... Use the promo code FRIEDEGG at smathersandbranson.com and get 15% off. Uh, now back to Kyle Porter. 
Um, okay, my number four, uh, knees. Whose knees are going to hold up? Knees. Knees. Brooksy? Oh. Bad knee. Gimp, gimping around. DJ, I don't know what's going on with his knee. I think he just didn't want to play Byron Nelson. <laughs> I think so, too. He probably looked at the weather and was like, I don't want to go out there. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, but but I, yeah, I, those are two guys that are in that group of six. I mean, DJ's been beaten by two players in the last two PGAs. So he got beat by by uh, Colin Morikawa last year, and he got beat by Brooksy the year before that. That's it. I mean, his did Brooksy did Brooksy beat him or did Austin beat him with that overclub? <laughs> like a Phil at Marion situation, or. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So I don't know. I, I think, I think Brooks, this, this should be a Brooks week, but I have no confidence in it because he can't, he can't even squat down to read a putt. I think he, I think he'll make the cut because his ball striking is so good that it'll just, it'll, he'll, he'll, he'll be able to ride that into a made cut, but I just have no confidence. I don't really have any confidence in either of them. Uh, winning this golf tournament. So I, I'm interested to see just kind of, you know, I'm kind of using the injury as a, a little bit of a Trojan horse to talk about those two guys. But I think that's a storyline going into the week. It's so it's just amazing how golf changes, right? Like and how quickly it changes. Oh, because yeah. Think about it in November at the end of that Masters in November, ever thinking that DJ might not be in the your top five favorites for this week, and yeah. like here we are, like he's on the fringe of of the top five favorite, and it's yeah. just you know he can he makes it look so easy, and I think that's the thing too with Brooks is this golf course it, when you were just talking, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Aaron Hills off the tee, and the fact that like there's plenty of space to hit the ball, but when you get outside the space, the ball's gone. Yeah. And we saw that at Aaron Hills where like there's plenty of places to keep it in play. But the second you get off that in play, there are big numbers everywhere. And we saw D I think DJ missed the cut that year. I think that's right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Jason day missed the cut. There were a lot of big names. Rory might've missed the cut. Rory missed the cut. Yeah. But that that's the type of golf course, and if those guys are driving the ball well, it, it just such a bummer with with Brooksy in the knee. You know, I feel like we're missing out on like some really prime years of his golf because of this knee, like just for the last you know five six majors. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, his his whole shtick whenever he was number one in the world and and winning all the time. At the time, it was like, okay, this is fun and cool and funny, and there's like a, you know, kind of a levity to it. But at the same time, during that time period, I was, I was thinking, like, what about when this goes the other way? Like, it's not going to be that funny anymore. It's going to be kind of like annoying or just grating a little bit. And that's kind of what it's turned into. Like, his whole, like, I don't care about golf, but I'm also the best player in the world. I don't know. I, I just, I have not enjoyed the last year and a half of kind of the Brooks shtick because you never know when he's healthy. You never know when he's injured. He he's just I don't know. I I just as a as a consumer of golf, I, it has not been enjoyable. It's br brash works really well when you're playing really well when you're the number one player in the world. <laughs> but 
as we've seen, you know, and this is the thing is like over and over again. And, and it just shows how much Tiger spoiled us because like the, the holding on to that top spot is so such a fragile thing. Like it, and, it, yeah. and it's fleeting. Like, it, you know, DJ is still number one in the world, but, you know, not by the margin he was six months ago. And, and it seems like that might come to an end in, in the near future. Who is who is your number one? Who's the number one player in the world in your mind right now? It's hard. See, this is where I think it's just that's what's leading into this wide open thing. I think if I if I was gonna have to pick one player, I'd probably pick Justin Thomas right now. What about you? Uh, I think it's Spieth, which sounds just insane. It is insane. <laughs> And I mean, it would have sounded like a, like a crazy person three months ago, but his numbers, uh, the consistency that he's shown over the last, and, and if you pull back that time frame past three months, you can't say speed. I think it's, it's JT or, or it might be Bryson for me if you pull it back past three months. But yeah, I think if you look two, two, three, four months, it's probably Jordan speed. It's crazy. He's so good again. It's just, it's amazing to see. It's great for golf to have yeah. him back. Yeah, I think he's legitimate. I I in this major uh draft thing and with a bunch of buddies and it, you pick you get like a random order and you pick you get you know, it's a draft order and I got the first pick and it was I had I was picking between Rory and and Speeth. I picked Rory. I'm Ugh. I'm probably going to Yeah, I I'm not happy. I, I don't know why I picked him. He's going to shoot 75. This is this is <laughs> one of my things. Can Rory get off to a good start? He just yeah, needs your... to not shoot 74 in the first round. So I wrote about this. I wrote about this for CBSSports.com on whatever to, whatever today is, Tuesday. He, like, people, th- there's going to be a through line this week where people are like, oh, 2012. Oh, just won Wells Fargo. And that's true. And that's fine. But, like, I mean, think about the seasons that he had, that he has had from 2014 to 2021. And how few, t- like, what are his major uh, even opportunities to win in that in that period of time? Nothing. Eighteen Masters is that it? Yeah, that's it. It's it's crazy, and he has all these high finishes, but it's all because he can't he can't get off to a good start, it, and it makes me feel like that's it, mental. It's something. It's mental. Yes, there's such an importance, and and we've seen it with the press conferences, like how he talks about, oh, it's just another week. Oh, I'm juggling. Oh, <laughs> you know, like this, I, everything revolves around this week. He, he, you can tell that he's trying to change his, the way he preps for these majors because he knows something's off. Yeah. The juggler. I forgot about that. Uh, it, it is the best one, the juggling. <laughs> and it's gotta be, it's gotta be infuriating for him because it's infuriating for us to watch and, and for him to know, like, hey, I'm, I had the, third best strokes gain season of all time in 2019. And I was just a no show, not a no show, but like I was not really in contention to win any of the four tournaments that really matter. Right. And that's, that is emblematic of what the last seven years have been. And and so I think people are going to get worked up about Kiowa and Quell hollow and, Oh, this is it. And maybe it is, but I just, the evidence we have seven years of evidence that just points to like he's got some sort of mental even if it's tiny it's some sort of hang up at these majors and and 
that's a bummer. Like I want him to win his fifth. I want him to win six, seven, eight, but I, I, I don't know. It's just not, at least he hasn't proven it over the last few years that he's um, in, in the right spot mentally to be able to do so. And it's crazy that we're doing this. He's got twelve top tens in that time frame. Or, I know, in, but, in but they're it's just, but they're not they're, just they're not bullshit like, top tens. Yeah, yeah. They're they're it's it's empty calories. You well, I just want him. I want him to win. Get back on on the because that's the thing. Is like he's still he's still only like what thirty one. Thirty just turned thirty two. Yeah. By the way, I think Kiowa was his best uh, major performance. Perform- yeah, it gets lost because he he was all out assault. But how hard it was, even though it was in the most docile conditions. It, yeah, he lapped the field and it covers up that like only a few guys were under par. It's a par 72. That's the yeah. thing, too. Yes. Par 72. And the, the scores I anticipate this year, like scoring going to be below 10 is going to win, you know, probably on a uh, on a par 72. Yeah. Yeah, well, part is a social construct. Uh, you want my fifth one? Yeah. Okay, so my fifth one is, can Colin Morikawa repeat? And the reason I want to talk about him is because I think he has the most to gain in terms of the the changing the way we think about a player this week. So what I mean by that is if Rory wins – it's great, but it doesn't really change a ton about the way that I think about him. If Xander wins, okay, like it doesn't change a ton about the way. I, I always thought he was probably going to win a major, maybe two, something like that. But I think Morikawa, if he wins, and that would be f- five wins in his first like 45 starts, including two majors, all of a sudden, I think that changes the way that I think about him to where it's like, wait a second, is this a... Rory Spieth level of talent because I, I I don't quite think of him like that right now and maybe I should but I don't and so I I think he has the most to gain with a win this week. I think yeah I think I'd throw Rom in there too. If you look at the win percentage of Rom and Morikawa and if you include European Tour wins for Rom because he's won <laughs> a lot of Rolex events. You know they they haven't been like the a lot of puff you know little tiny events like they've been at least the big ones like if you yeah. throw those in their their win percentages are the ones that stack up uh with the fills and the earnings they aren't yeah. tiger nobody's going to get to tiger level win percentage but those are guys that early in their career look like they could be that you know they win 10 percent of the time they're in a the field maybe yeah you know yeah. eight eight to ten percent which is really really freaking good um so i would say I I throw Rom in that bucket too with with Morikawa um in terms of a win here would Rom kind of like sneaky he's starting to get a lot of major starts. And I know there aren't a lot of majors every every year but you know it, it's for a player of his level with the wins he's had I think it, you know the clock's going to kind of start to tick on John Rom. And I think that's fair. I, I think he would say that's fair because he, again, he's somebody you look at his top tens. Like I, I remember a Will Gray tweet from Pebble in 2019, and he was like, "This this T three, I think he finished T three from Rom is going to look a lot better on Wikipedia than it did in in real life." And it's like, yeah, I don't, he, I don't even remember him. He he wasn't in contention, and that's the thing. It's like 
when has Rom really been in contention at a major championship? I don't even know if he has been. Maybe maybe a Masters one year, kind of. I don't know if you have to start winning majors, but you at least have to start contending for some. What if Tony Finau wins? Would he fall into the bucket of most perception change? I mean, biggest uh, perception change. Maybe I, it would. It would almost be so shocking we wouldn't even know how to comprehend it. He played great at the last PGA. That was like this is the thing. He played really well. He executed the shots. He made putts at the at Harding Park, and Kyle Morikawa just beat him. Sometimes I feel like with him and Xander. And guys talk about how uncomfortable it is to be in or near the lead. Sometimes they'll get near the lead and they'll just hit like a really bad shot. Like even Xander on 16 at Augusta, you're like, man, that is, that's not even close. And so I I do want, I wonder if there's like a mental thing there, but I think generally we overrate that storyline of like, oh, he can't get it done. I I think so much of it, 90% of it is luck and situational and that it'll eventually happen. My uh my fifth thing was kind of piggybacking off of Morikawa. So this was a big breakthrough for Morikawa last year. Obviously he had, he's won a bunch, but winning a major that young in a career is is a huge deal. And I kind of uh, I circled some some other guys. Unfortunately, your boy Matt Wolf is not Jeez. on this list. Not here. And that's that. You think about last year's PGA and to this year and how much things can change. Um, but Scotty Scheffler, Hovland. Hovland, this is a great venue for Hovland, mm-hmm. especially now that he can chip. <laughs> Joaquin Neiman, Sung J.M., Zell Torres. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of other names you could put in here, but all these guys I think would fall into the bucket of like all of a sudden becoming, you know, potential superstars with a major. Oh, Sam Burns too. I love Zalatoris this week, and maybe that's heat of the moment. Like I'm just reacting to the way he's played over the last couple of months, but I just I love the way he hits the ball. And I don't know, maybe he doesn't keep it in play enough off the tee to really contend here, but his iron play is a joke. It's so so good. Zalatoris and Morikawa are really really similar when you start to look into their games and and how great of iron players they are. They are both top five on tour right now, iron players. And I think what's so interesting about them is they both stayed in college. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they both stayed all four years. Uh, Zale Torres left with a semester to go, I think. I okay. Believe. So, he- so close to it, but there's an interesting Morikawa uh, interview or conversation uh, on golf digest right now, where he talks about how he actually, st- he purposefully stayed in college to kind of prep for the PGA tour like almost as a uh, in lieu of playing the Corn Ferry Tour, which is not how he said it, but it's kind of how it came across. And I thought that was really, really interesting because you, you, most of the time we think about guys that are that good from tee to green as coming out after a year or two years, somebody like a JT. But those guys stayed almost the entire time, which I think is 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 interesting in in like in terms of how we view amateur golf. Well, I mean, like think about Morikawa. He finished. He finished runner-up. He lost in a playoff at a web event as a, a freshman after his freshman year. Like, how many kids would go back to school for three more years after that? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't either. I don't. Yeah, they're they're definitely it. It gives them a maturity. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. You could go both ways, right? Because like Spieth and JT didn't do that. Yeah, but you could argue that like Spieth. I mean, if he doesn't hit the stick at the John Deere. 
maybe he like maybe none of this happens which is like that's a crazy thing to say but if you're that good, if you're Zalatoris or Morikawa good, it, I don't think it is like hurting you necessarily to stay in college because those guys were already working on things that they needed to do to become great pros. It's different if like they're they're just in it. They're already in a different class. So I don't know. You could argue it both ways, but I thought that I just thought that was an interesting nugget for for Morikawa. Yeah, who's your pick? Uh, I am I am going back and forth between. Uh, DB Vibin and uh, and Spieth. I, I I don't I don't know who to pull the trigger on. That's a good DB Vibin course too. Yeah, pretty much all like I could talk myself into anybody in the top twenty. <laughs> I could honestly talk myself into Honest Abe. <laughs> I don't know if he hits it far. He's like a hundred and seventieth in driving distance. But he's so good. He's good at everything else. You know? I don't, I don't, uh, tell me this. How does somebody like him contend at Quail Hollow? Because he's just so freaking good. <laughs> That's a great analysis there. But it, it, it's just, he's good at everything else. Like everybody, every player, you know, when you think about it really deep down, like every player has a deficiency, right? Right. Now it makes it, if your deficiency is driving distance, it makes it tougher because you start every round behind. Yeah. But you go down the list, like JT's deficiencies, putter, right? Yep. DJ, I'd say probably the putter can be a little dicey. Rom, I don't know if Rom has a deficiency, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, but you go down the list. Uh, it, it, you know, Bryson could get a little squirrely off the tee, and his, his short irons aren't great. Yeah. Morikawa, putter. Rory, I mean, pick pick the day of the week, what you want Wedges. What, what Rory's coming out. Wedges yeah. or putter. Whenever you were describing like uh you gotta you gotta hold wedges against like a crosswind, I was like, ah, Rory's Rory might miss the cut. I mean he hit some of the worst shots of a top ten player ever. Yes. Like with the wedges. It's un it's jarring. It's jarring to see a a top ten player in the hunt hit a wedge 10, 10 yards over the green. Like, that yeah. shouldn't happen. That's not a um, hitting wedges from, like, let's say 100 to 140. That's a – you can learn that, right? That's not, like, a, an elite skill. I don't know. Well, it's just – think about, like, your your elite skill is the driver that gets you all these wedges and then just not being able to hit the wedges. Maybe you should just play up, like, play back. Just hit five irons in. The other thing about Rory is like the equipment stuff. Like, so I had heard that he was, when he switched to TaylorMade, he was having to get new wedges for every round because he couldn't get the spin on the ball that he wanted, you know, years ago. Yeah. And then now we're talking, the other day he's talking about he can't drive, uh, draw the ball because of the driver. It's like, what? Get the guy some clubs that he can play. <laughs> Right? I mean, I thought this, he said he didn't. Is, I, I thought he said he didn't is, want to draw the ball. Yeah, I know, but like he just like said he can't draw the ball. He tries to hit that push draw, and it just he doesn't drew, draw. He drew it on eighteen at Quellalo. Maybe better more than a draw. <laughs> <laughs> but but this is like an epidemic with with golfers. Like notoriously, like Jack 
played that golf ball that he made that for a couple years that was just like not a good golf ball. Norman played bad equipment for a while. Like what what's with golfers and like you get to the top of the world and then all of a sudden you have like your you self-sabotage yourself with equipment decisions like <laughs> because of money. Like guess what? You're going to make more money if you just win big tournaments. So get equipment that you can win. Like that's what one of the things I think that was so underrated about Brooks's run was no OEM. Yeah. You know? No like but but like with Rory, like why why are we? It's twenty twenty one. Why are we dealing with this? Like what? <laughs> like get the guy get the guy a driver that can draw, so he can hit his little push draw. Give me three uh, dream final pairings on Sunday. So Rory Spieth is probably one, right? I mean, Westy Rory. <laughs> one. <laughs> um, Ernie's not in the field. Well, it would be remiss to not get Hideki in one. The one guy that can still win the Grand Slam is uh, as can, yeah. can Hideki win noted yesterday. <laughs> um, what a I would stat. say, I think Rom Rom would be one that I'd like to see. I mean, it's hard to. I like having I like having contrasts of styles, right? Yeah. So I I kind of like the old guy, young guy. If you if you went with like a a Rom Rom Westy Rom. Scott, you know, I think Morikawa defending would be really neat. Yeah, I think Bryson Rom would be great because there'd be so much just angst and anxiety oh, and frustration and tension. Yeah, like H- Hatton Rom, the you might yeah just blow a gasket on the back nine. What about Hatton this week? Uh, you know, he hadn't played well at majors. He didn't play well at majors in 2020. And then he finished T18 at the masters. And I think that he is somebody who's, I mean, his iron game is so good. It's so, so good. Like his, his approach play is, is excellent. And I think that, yeah, I think I worry about him a little bit when it, when I mentioned the words discipline and patience earlier yeah. and, and it comes to talk about him winning you, I think there's a little bit of concern there, but I think him and, and Matt Wallace are both really good kind of Wallace is more of a sleeper pig, but they both been, been playing really good golf. I mean, he's got, he's got a T six and a T fifth at, uh, at the open. He's won the Dunhill links championship a couple of times. Like elements, he seems to play pretty well in elements, you know? I love uh, Matt Wallace this week. I think he is, I think he's like 100 to 1 or something. And to me, that's just, I mean, he's he's been a top five or six ball striker over the last three months. So it's like Spieth, uh, Hovland, JT, <laughs> and Matt Wallace. I think I think Webb and, Webb and Corey Connors are up there. Um, but Matt, Matt Wallace is, and he's got a top, I think he finished T3. At, a, at the 2019 PGA? I think him and Spieth mm-hmm. tied for third at Bethpage. Matt Fitzpatrick could be a sneaky one, too. Yeah. I feel like he's... We, we've talked about this on on uh, the First Cup podcast over at CBS. Is Fitzpatrick's the guy that... You're like, oh, he's not going to compete here. And then he just keeps do- he keeps doing it. He, he did it at <laughs> Muirfield Village. He did it... He's, he does it everywhere. And he just is... He's really good. Like, I, I don't know, like, I finally just kind of accepted that he's a really good top 20 type guy. Yeah, he's just been really good for a really long time, too. At all at all stages of his career, he's yeah, been really Yeah, great good. pedigree. Yeah. What do, you, uh, what do you got going on this week on First Cut and CBS? 
Yeah, so we've got um, we've got previews all week. Uh, we got our big preview on the first cut coming out on I think Tuesday night, uh, and then CBS Sports HQ. I'll be doing videos from my little shed here in uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, so yeah, it'll be a fun week. I, I mean, I just I, we I could sit here for two more hours and talk about this with you, but it, it's just so fun to talk about the majors and legacies and just all this different stuff. I love it. I, I eat it up. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. You can read, read Kyle, obviously wonderful words, uh, watch him and, and listen to him. You're, you're hitting all platforms. Look at I that. know. I'm, I, I got, I started doing this and it's like 95% writing. And now it's like, am I, am I still a writer? Do I still write? Or is it just all the other stuff? I know that's, I, I never, I, I'm going to try and, get the keys get the fingers working this week yeah. a little bit so That's great um look forward to a great pga and uh thanks for coming on and uh everybody check out kyle he's on on twitter too easy to find there great follow and uh on everything else thanks andy appreciate it man